Welcome back to Mike and Maurice's Mind Escape. Let us help you escape your mind. Folks, welcome back to Mike and Maurice's Mind Escape. We have episode number 198 today. Uh, we're going to be discussing Journey into the Heart of Reality, which is a book written by Shima Somadev, uh, Shiva Somadev. Um, and uh, you can check out that book. I have the link down below the video, so go check that out. And uh, before we get started here, head on over to our Patreon at patreon.com slash podcast For just $2 a month, you'll get exclusive guest episodes and segments. I just uploaded one with uh, Rob Gentile from our episode Quirks of Light uh, a few days ago. So go check that out. And uh, yeah, we got lots of cool stuff on there and a whole catalog of other episodes and segments. And uh, one more thing, head on over to indrasweb.org. It is live. This is a social media platform we created to connect open minds. So whether you have a theory, hypothesis, speculation, that's the place to do it. Um, and, uh, we apologize. There was a little technical issue there, but hopefully I think we got it straightened out now. And, uh, without further ado, welcome on the show, Shiva. Thank you for having me in the show. Nice to meet you, Mike. Yeah. Nice to meet you. Well, thanks for joining us. We appreciate it. Um, so, you know, before we got cut out before, just give us a brief overview of how you got into this Eastern philosophy and Eastern spirituality and, um, you know, what was it that drew you into it? All right. Well, I guess, uh, um, my interest in eternal questions and philosophy started probably in the 20s, kind of developed. And um, yeah, reading books on philosophy, tarot, Kabbalah, and then in year 1995, um, discovering In Search of the Miracles by Peter Demian Chuspensky, uh, disciple of Gurdjieff. And um, this book um, created profound impact um, on my understanding and um, at the time uh, seemed revolutionary. And, um, and uh, within the book there was a um, leaflet of the fourth way school and I gave a ring and um, joined the school in Moscow. So it was 95, okay. 1995. And um, I've been very impressed by the um, presentation and specifically by the energy um very enigmatic and humorous actor Robert Taylor. So he was um for a couple of years director of the Moscow Center of the school. 
And, um, well, I specifically liked his um, way of conducting um, satsangs. Satsang is uh, the word abiding in truth. Although we didn't have this word, we had meetings. But uh, it is the way how he arranged um, the space and um, um, <clears throat> and um, Well, uh, as as you probably know, in the fourth way, uh, may, in the Guru's teachings, the major uh, ideas is uh, self-remembering and transformation of suffering. And self-remembering also, uh, Uspensky described as um, dividing attention. So usually he was saying that our attention goes to the object of perception and um, the effort of dividing attention is the splitting attention between the object and subject. So bringing, um, being aware of both, like I am aware of myself being aware of uh, objects. Mm. And if you also um, uh, expand a little bit um, this idea of dividing attention, it's very similar to um, um, what is known as Bhairava Mudra, which is an um, um, effort to comprehend all um, impressions simultaneously. You simultan- it is effort to comprehend um, all sounds, all visuals, um, t- taste, uh, kind of engage all the senses and uh, at the same time uh, hold awareness on the experiencer. I am feeling this. And uh, so um, with these tools, and um, also Robert Taylor often um, was forcing uh, us to stop thoughts, stop thoughts, stop thoughts, stop thoughts. and because also engagement with, uh, uh, we were sitting in circles and uh, you're looking at the person who's sitting in front of you. And when you're looking into the eyes of the person who's sitting in front of you, well, it, this was my practice, <laughs> I mean, kind of this, how I interpreted it. And uh, I was looking through the eyes of the person back at myself, at my body. And simultaneously, I was uh, feeling my feet touching the floor, my hands touching um, all sensations and uh, visuals, and engagement of panoramic vision as well. So um, this looking into the eyes, um, it releases energy. You can feel that. Um, yeah. And on one occasion, one occasion uh, after the big meeting. Uh, first half, um, on which probably about 40 people were uh, present, and then we divided into three different groups, three smaller groups, and in our group were I don't know, about 16 people. And uh, in front of me were sitting um, new student whom I uh, didn't have chance yet to say hello, or kind of I didn't ha- yet connected with him, and um, male. Uh, and uh, with very kind of 
pronounced male energy and don't kind of yeah and um it's possibly for me you know it's not so easy to look into the eyes not to stare but to gaze into the eyes of um stranger let's say <laughs> yeah there's that one uh, exercise that people do like kind of trying to connect people whether it be at like work or whatever where uh, they have you stare into somebody else's eyes for like three yep. minutes and you kind of like just lose yourself in that whole thing. Everything it's, else melts away. It's almost like you dissolve. Um, so combining uh, after the first half of the meeting, the energy already was very um, intense. And um, combining this uh, practice of dividing attention with the gazing into the eyes um, I sort of I looked at the eyes of each other sitting in a room, and then I um, noticed that when I look at this person, uh, my eyes escape the connection. And uh, so I asked myself what I'm, I'm afraid of, and then I decided to really look into his eyes. And uh, he was looking back at me, and um, and. I decided to completely open uh, to his gaze and uh, decided to uh, allow him to penetrate into my essence, vulnerable essence. And so this, and also kind of was telling him telepathically, mentally, do not only look at me, but uh, with your panoramic vision, um, try to include everyone, all perceptions in this moment. Mm. Anyway, so this is this uh, gazing created immense fear, and uh, the room started to pulsate in inverse colors. Black soap positions with white, green with red, and then start to everything was floating in the air. Let's say kind of like a wave of waves of energy. And um, my instinctive mind was telling me to stop there. Don't go any further because you've never been there. And if you step any anymore <laughs> into this unknown, into this energy, you, you don't know what is going to happen. It could be death or could be even worse, could be insanity. But uh, strongest part of me, my what's uh, in fourth phase school known as a king of hearts, which is an intellectual part of emotional center, um, said, "No, I'm ready to go." Mm. And uh, so I'm, I'm sort of harnessed this energy of fear because fear is the, the it's it's compact energy and. It's and um, often we run away from fear or just instinctively we're just um, backing off. Mm. And uh, if we are able to accept and uh, go into fear, and then fear can be as a very powerful fuel for consciousness to expand. And that's what's happened. I basically was catapulted out of the space-time continuum into what can be called fifth dimension, which is sort of like <clears throat> you can 
see the four-dimensional world as from the different perspective. And yeah, that uh, that's interesting. So it was almost like a um, almost like a uh, like a very spiritual or psychedelic type experience it sounds like that you were uh having there um do you think like um when you have you done is that something you practice regularly now like looking deeply into other people's eyes and is it something that's evolved over time or is that something that yes it is it is evolved and um yeah i'm very uh much cherish this practice and uh, these lessons which I learned from Robert Taylor and um, uh, well now I'm kind of giving satsangs as well uh, here on Isle of Wight I live now in England on Isle of Wight and um, um, well not at the moment but I will giving satsangs I will kind of will come back to the point why I started to lead satsangs Okay. It was after 40 days fasting, so it's kind of like the connected with this. Um, yes, it's kind of my um, idea of satsang. Satsang is not, um, like people understand satsang as a, a sort of questions and answers. Kind of uh, people, students asking teacher about questions, about reality, about nature of reality, what is this and this, and um, uh, teacher explain. And uh, this is supposed to be satsang, but from my opinion, it's it's not really satsang. Satsang is transmission of energy. It's um, it's the building up energy. It's um, um, first of all, the leader of satsang should be um, purified, very clear, kind of within himself. And uh, otherwise, it's uh, will be a uh, lie to speak about higher dimension from the lower point of view. If you have, um, so you have to bring yourself first into the state, into higher state of consciousness, and then kind of you, um, yes, engaging people into looking into each other, eyes, and um, being present, of course, and um, uh, words of truth, speaking from your heart. Um, yes, mostly inviting people into being present and present. And um, so you're building the spiritual energy, let's say, kind of, and the energy is the guide. Energy is the, as a, uh, in uh, Hindu tradition, it's Shakti is the way to Shiva. The energy is the way to consciousness, the, to intelligence, the explosion of intelligence. And also uh, the truth is abiding within everyone's heart and it's it's innate knowledge so basically satsang is a um, uh, release of this innate knowledge it's not uh, knowledge not comes from somewhere else this comes from within so basically the the aim of satsang is to create this energy which allows to blossom this knowledge so mm. so yes i'm using this uh, practice within the satsangs um, So, <laughs> so let's let's, to... let's get into yeah. your your book, uh, the journey into the heart of reality. So, did you have, you know, like what was your the lead up into that? Did you have a spiritual teacher that kind of guided you to get to that point, or is this something that you've kind of just created all on your own? Or right, so. Um... 
I've been in the fourth way school for eight and a half years. Um, um, well, I was very close to the um, head teacher of the fourth way school. Kind of after a couple of years being in Moscow Center, then I started traveling with the uh, head teacher. And um, well, it, as you know from the book, uh, we had the sexual relationships. And uh, um, well, it was shock, of course, and um, but I just accepted it very um, um, lightly. And um, and well, I was learning lots of things in in the fourth way school. I mean, kind of like so it was uh, very valuable time. But um, I just want to point out too, the fourth way school was developed by Gurdjieff. So if people don't know who Gurdjieff is, look up. Gurdjieff was kind of this mischievous spiritual teacher that would kind of throw people into situations and have them kind of just figure it out and open their minds to different, you know, not conventional situations, if you will. I just wanted to point that out for people. Yeah. But I just want to point as well kind of that the head of this school wasn't Gurdjieff, of course. Right. <laughs> yes, so it was um, Robert Burton, which is, um, school is situated in um, um, California. Okay. So anyway, um, well, basically to make this shorter, after eight and a half years of being in the fourth school, I, st- I just start getting really... Um, um, at first, I, uh, I lost my trust to the teacher, and uh, secondly, um, I um, start to feel more and more the limitations of Gurdjieff's ideas. And um, and at one point, while I've been living in um, 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 teaching house. Well, teaching houses is kind of places where people sort of like the centers uh, are situated in uh, certain towns around the world in of the school mm. where the kind of the hub of the fourth way uh, activity going on. So I lived there with my wife um, and um, after very shocking conversation with um, head teacher of the school, I decided to leave. And um, so I leave the school. I kind of, after being eight and a half years in the school, uh, it's also um, Gurdjieff teachings is very tricky uh, in a way because you sort of like uh, within the society and uh, um, it sort of feels like outside of the school, nothing really good flourishes. The the school is the center, kind of like, and and this is family and stuff like this. So it was quite a big step to leave the school. So and I went, uh, I said goodbye to my wife as well, and uh, went to Russia, to Crimea. And while I was in an airplane, I uh, was reading Ramana Maharshi, BSUR. And so um, when I went to Crimea for meditation and uh, was very much impressed by Ramana Maharsha teaching um, and uh, at, at the heart of which is self-inquiry, the question, who am I? 
and bringing awareness to the source, to the self. And so after practicing self-inquiry, I returned back to England where my friend um, was waiting for me with the um, packet of psilocybin mushrooms. Mm. There you go. So, yeah, <laughs> so this is the beginning of the story. <laughs> so, um, and yeah, it was second time I was, I did try psilocybin mushrooms. Uh, first was very intense as well, but this one was um, way more powerful. And um, so together with the, this practice of self-inquiry, as well as a surrender, surrender to whatever is going to happen, kind of no resistance at all, kind of whatever mushrooms is going to take me, I'm ready, death or not death, ready to go <laughs> so and uh i think it wasn't big portion probably around three or four uh, mexican uh, dry uh, mushrooms but it was very profound experience after kind of working a little bit on the street seeing changing colors and shapes uh, vibrating and energy we returned back home and um, I sat just in meditation on a uh, sofa and went into the self-inquiry and um, and uh, my awareness turned within and concentrated on the third eye uh, in search of the perceiver and um, and then it starts sliding down the throat and also, I, I feel very um, big pressure on my sahashra, the top of my head. And then it was sensation that uh, top of my head was open with um, the laser scalpel, and um, the cloud of thoughts evaporated. And then my awareness move deeper within and uh, within the region of um, upper lungs i start to experience um, celestial realm with the gandharvas playing divine music and all external impressions were switched off and then still uh, in search of the self attention moved down and down and then slightly on the right side of the chest which is known um, as a spiritual heart Hridayam. this is the center or hrid chakra mm. so yeah and uh, the, this is the kind of when you're reaching this point there's realization of coming home uh, and also realization that you never ever left this home you always here it's just kind of um, <laughs> so, paradox yeah we don't give so, enough credit to the heart our last guest in our last episode we did had a heart transplant he had two near-death experiences and uh the one experience he said he um saw a million little lights all connected and you know his book's called quirks of light and just 
this idea of like non-duality, right? Like everything's connected and we're all part of this one thing. And, uh, I mean, I definitely identify with, um, your experience too, but I, I feel like we don't, you know, give the heart enough credit in terms of obviously it pumps the blood and does all this, you know, we think about it as like a, um, just like a phys like an important part of the physical process of our body. But in terms of like spiritual and, um, you know, anything metaphysical, I don't think we really correlate that usually. All right. Well, um, there's quite a lot of research have been done around, uh, electromagnetic, uh, um, force right. around the spiritual heart kind of is much more, more stronger than uh, the electromagnetic force in the brain. Right. So, and, and also, um, uh, well, in my meditation, specifically with uh, psilocybin mushrooms, um, it's almost every time uh, my awareness goes to the heart. And just standing there as a threshold of the um, heart, I consider as kind of as uh, well. The body, the whole body, our whole body is cosmos, really. And uh, within this cosmos is um, parallel realities, alien beings, and uh, <laughs> and uh, within it, uh, black hole. It's also kind of it's a quasar, quasar or mm. sun radiating uh, the rays of consciousness outside through the senses. But at the time of returning back, kind of when the awareness going within and within with the self-inquiry and merging within the black hole, it's turning into black hole. And there's a singularity point, point as well, which is um, sort of, <laughs> uh, it's where the knowledge of um, infinity exists. Let's say it's a, and also it's a singularity point, sort of um, uh, beginning of a wormhole into different realities. Mm. And, um, I like it. It's kind of like a Schwaller Delubitz Temple of Man kind of a thing where it's an analogy that the human body is kind of like you're saying, encompassing of the stars or the cosmos. Um, and actually, to your point, I think, I mean, psilocybin is my favorite psychoactive compound. I just feel a connection to it. And anytime I experience it, it's like a feeling of going home. It's this yep. this warm embrace kind of a thing. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I know different people like different things, but definitely, I definitely feel, you know, um, I've had similar experiences. I'm very happy to hear this, Mike. <laughs> so um well just continue from this point um and on the second day uh i'm still in a very heightened state of consciousness and in very um uh my friend is very impressed with my account and we're going uh into the shop and buying some more uh psilocybin mushrooms they were legal in London at this time, and um, so and we're taking the second uh, portion. And what, um, what was this? What year was this roughly? Just se second day. So, uh, when was uh, it? Was I think it was in two thousand three. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. 
so long <laughs> long yeah, story i mean i guess it's it's not it's it's it is a while ago but it's it's crazy to think that 2000 or 2003 was already 20 years ago it's crazy yeah so and um with the second portion um what happened uh in the beginning i was engaged in self-inquiry but the question who am i did not um made any um, grasp to my being it was just standing as a question without any kind of like reverberation and then i just decided to lie down on a bed and uh, while lying down uh, gradually gradually uh, the this question started to penetrate deeper within me and then i kind of was my body was uh, in a very very quiet uh, state almost without breathing for about a couple of hours just a very, very shallow breathing. And then suddenly, without any volition from me, it's exploded with the very intense breathing, in and out, in and out, in and out, in and out, filling all my um, cells, molecules with the electrifying energy, just kind of buzzing and, and bodies transforming into the energy, basically. And uh, and so it's continuing for quite a while till I cannot breathe any longer and I'm breathing out and basically I just kind of feeling I'm going into death. Wow. And uh, that's it. Um, but body, of course, um, um, continued struggle and uh, the battle <laughs> for the um, coming home continues. But anyway, kind of the point is, uh, this was the beginning of, uh, so the magic mushrooms told me the significance of pranayama. So this was the first really, really deep lesson of uh, how, of about the role of prana in awakening. Hmm. Now, you've created a type of yoga, right? It's called Kumbhaka, yeah. Kumbhaka Prana Yoga, is that correct? Yes, that's right. And uh, I looked up kumbhaka, the word, and it says it means vessel, like um, holding air in a vessel or something like that. So um, in terms of yoga, this would mean what? That you're holding your breath while you're doing certain poses? or No, it's... Uh, well, I basically... Um, before it became kumbhaka prana yoga, I just uh, call it intuitive dynamic breathing meditation. So, and, um, um, so basically, Kumbhaka Pranayoga have, as, as you rightly said, Kumbhaka means retention of breath, Kumbhaka also Kumb means pot. Mm. And what was happening um, in Kumbhaka Pranayoga, while you are engaged in Pranayama, dynamic intuitive breathing, like intense, mm. in and out, in and out, you're feeling your pot. Right. With the pranic energy. You're purifying your Nadi system. Nadi is uh, subtle energy channels within your body. Uh, with the three main channels, Ida, Pingala, and Sushumna at the spinal cord. So you're, purifi you're purifying your energy, your Nadi channels. Also, they, they uh, uh, could, could be translated as rivers, Nadis, the energy channels. Mm. And apparently there's great amount of them, like Upanishad talking about 72,000 nadis within the body. Right. 
or even more. <laughs> so it's the whole system of kind of, and uh, you're feeling the kumb, your your body is kumb pot, and then when you fill up this uh, pot with this pranic energy, you closing the lid. It's kumbaka, kind of like you and staying in retention of breath. Mm. You feel intuitively when you need to. It's kind of like, let's say, kind of like if you inter- intensely breathing, like even I don't know, for 30, 40 times, at, at a certain point, you s- will start to feel that you start to losing consciousness or you um, start to faint. And um, yeah, is this so, so? Is this similar or the same thing as like alkaline breathing? Because we had a guest on where I was doing these yeah, we deep, almost did faint these deep breaths, and I almost did faint. Everything was getting very almost like a psychedelic experience. It was becoming very um, intense, and it was just these deep breaths in and out, like fast breaths. Is that similar? Oh, I guess so. There's many, many uh, different pranayamas and uh, also holotropic breathing, of course. Yeah, that's what Tanisha this was, is holotropic breathing. Yeah. Yes. Well, holotropic breathing uh, do not use kumbakas. Uh, holotropic breathing is um, like, let's say, kind of one hour and a half or maybe two hours straight. You're just breathing nonstop. And uh, the aim is to create catharsis. Uh, the release of emotions and people go through the um, rebirthing process or kind of like they experiencing the um, heal the subconscious traumas through yeah, the, um, Wim Hof's a big uh, yes yeah. Wim Hof as well kind of Wim Hof probably the closest things to Kumbhaka Pranayoga I would say because um, it's in Wim Hof method he usually kind of uh, advises about 30 um breathing breathe out breathe in breathe out breathe in in 30 times and then you're breathing out holding your breath and then you breathing in holding your breath so kumbaka pranayoga is similar but it's uh, more intuitive i would say hmm. it's because uh, the aim of kumbaka pranayoga is to um, awaken the inner intelligence intuition which you already have your body possess this intelligence you just need to the whole process of awakening is um is to um find the ways to activate your innate intelligence to awaken your innate intelligence which already you possess mm. so it's not bringing something from outside it's all you, you already have it so you just enter Prana and pranayama is... Um, You're just enhancing uh, your awareness that you already have. You just don't know, usually. Yes. So, uh, Kumbhaka Pranayoga um, have five limbs, so, so to speak. The first one is Bhavana. Um, Bhavana is, um, is a sort of certitude affirmation and certitude bhavana um like let's say i am brahman i am consciousness i am energy i am the reality i am um eternal so this you come to this uh, realization through different methods you can come to this realization through study science let's say quantum mechanics or uh, studying scriptures like Lipu Gita, very uh, powerful book of uh, on uh, affirmation of on Bhavana. 
So bhavana is uh, certitude that I am reality, indestructible reality. And um, so this um, certitude gives you courage to experiment and plunge deeper into subconsciousness, unconsciousness, superconsciousness. And uh, and by experimenting or kind of experimenting with even uh, going into the states of uh, resembling more death while kind of having um, heroic doses of magic mushrooms. So with the experiments, you are verifying that actually this is truth. And uh, and so it's strengthening your bhavana. So then they kind of work in tandem together. First affirmation and uh, trust in these words, I am reality, I am consciousness. And second verifications, and um, which strengthening bhavana. So then next uh, limb is Bhairava Mudra, which I already explained uh, as in comparison with um, um, divided tension. Mm, yeah. So it, it's a attempt to comprehend a maximum impressions simultaneously. And uh, let's say kind of you're just fixing your gaze in one spot, you're opening up your panoramic vision, peripheral vision, and you are sort of able to perceive everything simultaneously and engage as well all sounds and uh, bring awareness, but the attention turn within and facing the experiencer, perceiver, sense of self. So in this, this effort, expand, expanding your awareness, expanding your attention, so then the third one is self-inquiry, which is uh, Ramana Maharshi teaching, uh, direct method. And uh, self-inquiry is begins with the question, who am I? But who am That's I is only... a great question, kind of, right? <laughs> yes, it's the most important question. <laughs> and who am I is only... Uh, the question just gives direction to awareness to travel in search of the sense of self, the sense of I. So, and yeah, further, you don't need question, you just kind of your awareness going within and um, uh, in search of the experiencer. Mm. So the, and the fourth part, of course, it's, uh, and the most important part, uh, I would say, is a dynamic um, Kumbhaka Pranayama which is um, because the Kumbhaka Pranayama provides you with the needed energy to break through the, all kind of blockages. And, um, and uh, Kumbhaka Pranayama uh, triggers uh, innate intelligence to manifest, mm. to, kind of, to come out. And um, in addition, uh, I kind of on later stages you can also engage what i call shamanic trance dance which is um while you engaged in kumbhaka prana pranayama together with all um uh, mudra bhavana and self-inquiry uh, you can add intuitive spontaneous movements of your body fingers tongue 
um, so you kind of you facilitate um, the energy your innate intelligence to start to move you the whole process is um, is to trigger what is called in Kashmir Shaivaism Samavesha Samavesha is divine possession so basically um, you bring yourself into the state where your energy some call, can call it Kundalini Shakti um, or Prana Shakti so that your innate energy awakens and possesses you mm. and in this way so the Samavesha is divine possession or um, otherwise uh, the perfect entrance into the highest realms of reality. So do you think that these methods can help you get to kind of that psychedelic state, if you will, um, with some of these practices? I think that's the goal, right, of anybody that's ever meditated or done psychedelics or is aware of these things is to achieve those states without actually taking any psychoactive compounds. Oh yes, definitely. The uh, prana prana is uh, sufficient enough, and other uh, other uh, limbs sufficient enough to take you in a very high state of consciousness. But of course, if you add the wisdom of sacred plants such as uh, psilocybin mushrooms, hmm. and specifically heroic doses, I'm just speaking like about well, I don't know. 15, 20, even 30 grams of dry. Yeah, that's intense. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's you, I think you, yeah, Terrence McKenna would call heroic dose five, five grams dried. Yeah, uh, yeah. But yeah, I, I mean, I know that there's um, uh, a lot of people that, you know, we've had a lot of people in our chats talk about, you know, taking that much. I mean, the most I've ever taken, I think I've talked about on our trip report episodes, was 10 dried, and that was super intense. I've I've taken well, two. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, I would say I'm quite extreme, kind of in yeah. in in my longing for truth. <laughs> okay. So I kind of like. Um, well, basically, I mean, kind of, we live life, and uh, I I've, I feel the most important things in the whole world is the truth, and. Um, to experience the truth, you are should be ready to sacrifice everything, even your life, even your sanity. And uh, when you kind of entering these states, uh, which basically it's a death kind of or insanity, you are humbly offering your ego, your whole your mind mm. for the annihilation to um, to the energy, which is uh, then. Uh, to take over your efforts and uh, delivers you into the um, highest realms of reality. Mm. Well, here, I mean, kind of, I'm very happy to live on Isle of Wight, where we have um, quite uh, uh, lots of um, liberty caps growing in the yeah. hills. Yeah, the UK definitely does. Um, and also, you know, I think the, the tides are turning in terms of um, psychedelic research, psychedelic medicine, and, um, you know, the availability of it. I know the UK is still a little bit stricter with all that kind of stuff than the United States. And obviously here in the States, we do have some 
states where, from state where it's state, be, yeah. been dec- yeah. decriminalized and stuff. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think that um, with the science, with the research, with the people, the investors and all the stock traders and all that kind of stuff, I think those are going to be what drives this thing to the next level. Um, you know, it's kind of like a balance thing. Like, yeah, you wish it wasn't the case. You wish it was just, you know, cognitive liberty. We're allowed to just do these things. And if you can jump out of a plane, how come you can't eat a handful of, you know, mushrooms, something like that. But at the same time, like I said, I think that you'll see some of the, you know, the science and the, the money markets and everything. It'll drive it similar to, you know, how cannabis became legal in a lot of States here in the U S. Yeah, only uh, yesterday was a program on BBC Two about uh, Professor Nutt. Yeah. Uh, so about the one hour, one whole hour about the um, psilocybin mushrooms as a um, treatment for uh, depression mm. and absolutely these sort of things. Yeah, David yeah, Nutt. Uh, of... he's, he's I like his work. I, I find it interesting and there's a lot of great stuff going on there. Imperial college does a lot of good research. You know, there's a lot of stuff going on in, in, like I said, in the UK. So hopefully, you know, we can get this thing, uh, to the point where everybody, if they want to do it, cool. If they don't want to do it, you know, the availability of it, similar to like what alcohol, or like I said, even in the States, how cannabis is now. Right. So, um, where did we kind of? Oh, so so I, <laughs> I guess so. so what story. what's the what's the message then, or like what's the the basis that you've come away with with this this practice and these experiences? Like what's what's the thing that you can take away that you can tell other people about or help them achieve those states? Right. Well, um, I mean, among many many um psychedelic experiences i probably had more than 100 uh and some of them with uh, very big doses of the psilocybin mushrooms one uh was absolutely of different quality and it's happened uh 2013 in december 2013 and um so this one was um, took me into the realm of uh, divine language. So it was full possession. Um, the energy took over and just was rolling my body through the uh, various postures, and um, and um, I lost all world. <laughs> yeah, grasp on reality. All shackles and uh, you have to a dose that large too. You have to kind of just give in and let it. Like you have to, you can't maintain I, that control, yeah, right? You have to just let it go and let go and just be the experience, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah. And also, you have to. Well, I like this expression: uh, only those who attempt absurd can achieve impossible. Mm. So you basically you have to go all the way uh, if, <laughs> into death, into fear, into um, into impossible. Because um, truly, uh, you are the self. You are the reality. 
and um, nothing is impossible really mm. so and this is the way to um, I mean kind of I'm not I would not advise everyone to take mushrooms or of course uh, not I look at it as like yes, a tool but, it's there if you want it you know or experience it but again I think even with like psychedelic medicine um, and the psychedelic research it's like if you know it could be used as a tool but it's not for everybody some people prefer conventional medicine or therapy some people prefer you know other ways to do things i know they're even trying to create these compounds that you know are taken from these psychoactive compounds that are not psychoactive so they're using these compounds that they're taking the psychedelic aspects out of it but it's still treating some of these you know things and i know some people are against that but i like i said i look at it as many options as possible is good that's the way i look at it you know more tools in the toolbox some people want to experience it some people don't but either way it's there kind of a thing yeah definitely and um Well, I'm not taking, uh, lately I'm just uh, using very rarely, mm. maybe like once a year. And uh, obviously I prepare um, set and setting should be, sometimes <laughs> uh, the magic mushrooms are not only teaching you about the um, blissful and highest states of consciousness, they also show you hell, which is the other very important lesson and I've been in hell many times, and um, and there's like very deep realization what hell is. And um, would you and would you consider possible. that you, you confront like like and some people call it a bad trip, some people call it hell, but would you consider that maybe you having some sort of emotional or anxiety or baggage going into it, and then when you you're faced, you're forced to confront your own demons or your own issues or something like that yeah sure um do you know what i'm saying it's like a bad trip is really just you not prepared to deal with and process your own stuff that you've been putting off or you know not dealing with at that point very often it's happened when the settings um not chosen rightly. Mm. For example, okay. if there's bad weather, kind of like a cold, or you are within the company of some strange people, or right. these sort of things. So this is triggers. Um, but the point is, kind of, when you experience in this low, lower realms of reality, uh, you have realization that you actually have been there before. And you know that the most frightening thing is kind of like the realization that this exists forever as well. So, right. <laughs> and there is possibility that you will be there one day. So you kind of like, uh, now you're safe, but then. <laughs> so, uh, and uh, it's bring us as well kind of to the uh, Bardo uh, Chedol, Tibetan Book of Death. Mm. which I consider as a very important and very profound teaching about different realms of um, reality and um, about moment of death, luminosity. Um, yes, and our life, it seems to me, given us um, 
to figure out what is important and what is not so, what is permanent, what is uh, worth striving for. And uh, obviously, Her Majesty Truth is the uh, on the only one <laughs> which is uh, because of this truth, and uh, mm. it is forever there. And um, as Upanishad say, um, says, self cannot be known through. Uh, the subtlety of the intellect or through much study, but uh, to whom who longs for the self, the self reveals its true nature. Mm. So the longing, longing is very important, which sort of, I think it's a sort of bhakta, devotion, devotion towards the uh, truth. Your willingness, willingness to die, Willingness to sacrifice everything for love, love, in other words, for truth. Hmm. So, and um, yeah, I'm gonna say, do you have any interest in micro dosing or are you just strictly focused on uh, taking yourself somewhere else? <laughs> yeah, no, surely, yeah, micro dosing is. Uh, Probably a very good tool for, especially kind of for boosting your uh, intellectual kind of capacity, mm -hmm. I think, and uh, yeah, also kind of in health uh, for health reasons. Yeah, but yeah, I'm more interested in uh, one heroic <laughs> plunge. So. Um. So uh, I know you wanted to keep it under an hour, so let's kind of wrap it up here. So uh, again, people can check out your book. I have the link down below at the bottom and uh, Journey into the Heart of Reality. Um, is there something that, like, a, like I said, is there anything that you have that's like um, a message for people or is there anything that you want to say before we get out of here? Mm. Well, um, be curious, be courageous, um, um, use your discriminative logic um, to separate what is important for you and what is not important or less important. Um, for death is not the end of uh, existence. It's just only a portal where everything is possible. And basically what we learn and how we kind of dealing with this life situation uh, and experimenting. Yeah, I'm kind of highly encouraging people to experiment. <laughs> To find the truth for them for themselves, they mm. can. The truth cannot be found in books, or it's only be, can be confirmed by someone who had previously experienced it. But uh, ultimately, uh, yeah, truth can only be found within our own self through experience, right? Yeah. 
Well, listen, Shiva, this was an interesting conversation, and uh, I really enjoyed your book and enjoy, um, you know, your message and your willingness to explore the mind and kind of, um, you know, these breathing techniques and everything. So um, I, I don't know. I think that, like I said, hopefully we can get past this whole stigma of these substances and um, so people f- feel more freely, you know, to, like you said, experiment and kind of go places in their mind. Uh, but yeah, I, I really appreciate, you know, your, your book and your message and, um, uh, yeah, we'll have you again on in the future and, uh, that's it. So again, go check out Shiva's book. I have the link down below journey into, um, journey into the heart of reality uh, and the link is down below the video and one more time head on over to our patreon at patreon.com slash podcast for just two dollars a month you'll get exclusive guest episodes and segments i just uploaded a couple um and uh yeah and oh one more thing head on over to indrasweb.org it is live this is a social media platform we created to connect open minds so if you like having these kinds of discussions head on over there and set up a profile and uh listen we really appreciate you coming on and appreciate your time and uh i'm glad we got the technical stuff figured out and uh we we love everybody stay safe out there and uh we'll catch you next time peace peace